guys can hear me. Uh, my name is Taylor. And uh, real quick, thank you, Dad, and um, just all of you guys for um, giving me the opportunity to teach tonight and just uh, really share what's on my heart and um, just what the Word says a little bit. Um, so uh, let me just open in prayer real quick before we get going. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that we get to meet together on this and um, just that we have Facebook Live and, and Zoom and we can still connect with one another uh, in spite of these times and just continue to bless them and, and that we could all uh, continue to be in relationship and, and encourage one another and bless one another, uh, even if it's through uh, a virtual reality, Lord. Um, just bless this night and, and everything that comes with it in your holy name. Amen. Yeah, so um, last week we uh, got to listen to Matt and Frankie Axtell speak a little bit about um, the, seven, the first seven verses on First Peter 3. That's where we're going uh, right now and uh, kind of talking about what a godly marriage looks like, which was really good and uh, just a great night and super important to hear, uh, especially for some of us that are in relationships right now and especially for the people that are getting engaged and married. I'm looking at Zach and Cambry over here. Um, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. And, and Alan Carolyn, I saw I, the camera was blocking them. And Gabe, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, there's like more. Okay, well, anyways. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's actually just really crazy. And um, a lot of people are getting engaged right now and getting married in the summer. And um, it's, it's just really weird, and uh, it hits you fast, and I'm not even anywhere close to that, but um, it's, just, it's just very, very odd that, that it's getting to this point in my life and, and seeing all my friends getting married now, too. So anyways, we got to hear the first, first seven verses about how we should kind of treat a spouse, and now we're going to get to hear in the rest of First Peter 3 kind of about um, how we should be acting around everyone else besides our spouse. And really what our attitude should be when we're following the Lord. Um, so just a little bit of background before we get into the word. This is a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter, uh, one of the original 12 disciples, and um, was especially co close with Christ and got to experience some really cool dialogue and conversation with, with the Lord and also just saw some amazing stuff um, that some of the other 12 might have not get, gotten to see. Uh, most biblical scholars think that it was written kind of between 63 and 64 AD, and this was during the reign of Emperor Nero, um, notoriously one of the most brutal emperors in all of the Roman Empire. Um, around this time, there was actually a fire in Rome which destroyed tons and tons of buildings, and it's up for debate whether or not he started the fire or he allowed it to happen to forward his political agenda, but he eventually blamed it on the Christians of the time. Can you guys hear me? There we go. Uh, sorry, we got a little bit of a technical difficulty. Um, I'm not sure exactly where we cut out, um, so I'll just go back and um, if you guys heard the scripture that I read, um, let's kind of go through this again. So obviously, um, this passage in Peter was written to, the peop to a people in a different time, and uh, they had different difficulties to face, and uh, obviously they didn't have modern medicine. They were facing serious persecution. Um, and just among other things that are completely different to what we face today. But in the face of that, you know, we, this, this word can still apply to us and, and definitely does. And it's, it's the word of the Lord, breathed and inspired by him um, and written through Peter. Um, so the Lord, through Peter, calls us to be united together as one. 
and um, that we should be compassionate and loving towards one another, and that we should only desire to do good. And, you know, that's really easy to say yes and amen to and, and just move on and say, yeah, that's great, right? Um, let's memorize that. Let's keep, on, let's keep on talking about that. But um, it's just not that simple, and it, it takes a lot more to actually apply it to our lives rather than just talk about it. Uh, it, it wouldn't be that simple, right, if it weren't written in here. Um, so just to say, like, we live in a fallen world, and life is messy, people are messy, we make mistakes, and, and it can cause serious grief and pain in our lives. And um, what God is calling us to do is not only applicable to the big, visible stuff, right, um, but also the unseen and subtle in our lives. You know, it's easy to focus on things like porn or drunkenness or drug abuse, right? Those are really visible. But what about gossip or bitterness or pride or anger, right? Those are a little bit difficult to see in our lives. And it's those sins that hide in our lives that can often create the most division between us. And at times, I've been guilty of these things too. You know, we're no, none of us are perfect, and, and that's why we're in need of a Savior, right? But I try my best to stay away from speaking down on people or gossiping or any sort of disrespect. Um, but what happens when someone disrespects me, right? What happens when I'm the recipient of some sort of wrong? Well, it gets much easier to do the same to that person. And what if I'm around other people that gossip or show disrespect or become bitter? Well, it gets a lot easier for me to fall into this as well. You hear, you hear about this kind of thing one way or another. Uh, take, for example, something small like a husband asks his wife to wash the dishes one night. And the wife has other things on her mind. She's got to do the laundry or go talk to a friend, you know, just anything, right? Um, and so she doesn't do them. And the husband gets bitter and angry and just thinks, well, I don't want to talk to her. I'm just, I'm just going to ignore her the rest of the night. And this causes division, right? It, it blocks communication between the two that are meant to be together as one. And um, it's not good, Right? And it's so small and, and mendable that uh, it's, it's, it's small, right? But uh, take, for example, something bigger, like what if, what if I was bullied as a kid or um, anything like that? What if I was disrespected or gossiped about by one particular person? Maybe I won't like that person. Maybe I won't want to ever talk highly of that person again. Maybe I'll go out of my way to tarnish that person's reputation. Maybe they've changed. Maybe I don't even care what they're doing or how they're doing anymore because of what they did. And that's division. It's like the old rule, an eye for an eye. Whatever someone does to me, I should be able to do to someone else. But Peter calls us not to think that way. Like he said in verse 8, Repay evil for evil. Do not repay evil for evil. 
my correction, uh, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, right? We have to be gracious towards the people around us. Because if we all thought this way, an eye for an eye, then each one of us would eventually become completely isolated from one another. There's no relationship without forgiveness and grace. But how amazing is it when, when there are people in your life like Peter describes here in verses 8 and 9? Somebody that truly cares about you and how you're doing and really just wants to bless you regardless of what it means for them. And you might not even know this person super well, right? Before I got invited to church one time in high school, I didn't really experience these kinds of traits Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love too much. It's just not normal outside of church or the world and maybe your family. My family was, was definitely um, fulfilling a lot of these traits and, and my parents really did care about me. But outside of that, you know, you don't experience humility or forgiveness, true forgiveness or sympathy or brotherly love from someone just walking by on the street or someone you work with. But in a community of people that follow Christ and truly, truly want to be more like him every day, there are tons of people that want this for you, that they want to bless you and have compassion on you and hear how you're doing. But even in places like real life, people still mess up and it definitely happens. We're, we're messy and and broken people in need of a savior. So I think we should really try to encourage one another to do these things for each other. To have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and simply caring for one another. One another. And yeah, if you ever catch a friend speaking about somebody or treating somebody the wrong way, I think it's totally okay to change the conversation, direct it somewhere else that might not be as um, destructive. Um, or if it gets serious enough, even pull that friend aside. And I want to emphasize, with lots of grace and a desire for their good, confront them about what they're talking about. And I think nine times out of ten, that, that friend that you have is going to be very receptive to that and really respect what you have to say because I think, I think that most of our friends are going to want to do what's good and, and, and want to build people up. Truth be told, we have all been saved from sin. We're all a part of this beautiful, beautiful fellowship that, that's the body of Christ. We're in this together. We're called to look out for each other, not just our close friends that we go to, church with not just when it's easy to help out but for everyone that's in within real life in Calvary and really anyone that we might meet on the street that also follows the Lord they are our community we are the body of Christ and yes these attitudes definitely apply to the people in our lives that aren't Christian too People are going to see these traits in you, this sympathy, brotherly love, humility, forgiveness, a desire to bless. 
They're going to see that in you and ask, what is different about that person? I just can't put my finger on it. And I just feel like this concept of community is so important. Um, I'd just like to say a quick prayer before we move on. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the fellowship that you give us, that we can go through life together as a community. And we just ask that we would continually learn how to bless one another and lift one another up, that we wouldn't put one another down, but desire to have compassion on one another, regardless of how close we are with them. In your holy name, amen. All right, let's move on to verse 13. And Peter says here, Now there is, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with, great, with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so that word zealous in, in verse 13, uh, it comes from the word zeal, which means actively desiring the glory of the Lord and to let his glory be known in your life to the other people around you too. And some of my friends are hearing this and being like, oh, here he goes again. Um, but when I lived in Antioch, I was roommates with Logan Alexander, and he was obsessed with this band called King's Kaleidoscope. Their newest album is called Zeal, and it's all about finding true joy in the Lord and that we can rest in the simple truth that Jesus loves us. Logan, Daniel Thomas, Joel Schmidt, and I drove up to Seattle last spring and saw the band live, and I was kind of on the fence. I hadn't listened to him too much. I just knew that Logan loved him a lot, and uh, from that point on, I was absolutely hooked with their music. Uh, they have really, he, he, They are awesome songwriters and uh, just, just a really cool sound and very unique. And um, If you're ever looking for some new music, check it out because they're really good. Um, but anyways, our faith should not be invisible. We should be zealous, right? And desire to, to see good come into each aspect of our life. And so here in this, in this section, we see that if we pro- pro- proclaim Christ as our Lord, we are going to face a little bit of flack for it some more than others. It's important to remember that there are still Christians in other parts of the world that are being imprisoned and killed for what they believe. But for us in America, and especially at OSU, we will get some negative feedback from the people around us about Christianity if we're here long enough. And I think that our faith comes at... I think that our faith at times can be really countercultural. So yes, there's going to be people that challenge you, and it's important to have a defense for what you believe, but I'm not saying you should have to get a ton of specific scientific evidence or philosophical jargon that will prove that God exists. No, that you don't need all that head knowledge. 
to have a defense. Just share with them how the Lord has moved in your life, who he is to you, and why we are all desperately in need of him. And it's okay if people aren't receptive to it when they challenge you. Jesus said in John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. But there is going to be other times in your life when people might be a little curious. When the, when the Lord's light is shining in you, when you're compassionate towards others and care about the good in life, when you show love to everybody around you, that's attractive and people are going to notice that. They might ask you, why are you so different? Where do you find your contentment? Why are you so joyful all the time? So be prepared for this, right? It could come at any time. And all you need to do is continue to show love to that person. Share how the Lord has changed your life and give them the gospel. And I think that we should especially all know how to properly share the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor to do this, truth be told. But if Jesus has changed your life and you recognize your need for him, it is so awesome to be able to know how to share that with people. If you need a good resource for how to share the gospel, um, I found this online. Just look up Sharing Your Faith 101. It's on the Billy Billy Graham website, and it's just a nice, clear way of learning how to share if you don't really know how to do that. And so I just really want to re-emphasize, be prepared for this, because you just don't know when it's going to happen. You might find yourself in the situation of getting an opportunity to share God's love with someone else at the most random time. And remember that people do not only experience the gospel by us telling them who Jesus is, but also they see the gospel by how God has worked in your life. And so let's go on to verse 18. Uh, Peter says here, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. So just talking about gospel presentation, here's Peter's, right? And for those of you that need to hear it in another way, Christ suffered for us. When we were still sinners, he lived a perfect life, was crucified, and died on a cross, and was resurrected the third day. He did this that we might know him, rely on him, trust him, and know that he has saved us from the darkness that has crept into all our hearts. 
He is our Lord and one true God. And we can be infinitely content because he knows each of us by name and knows exactly what we need in our lives. He sees you and me. And for those that will hear him, he is calling you, waiting for you to surrender your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you with a broken heart. Help us to know you better, to surrender to you, and to say, Lord, we need you. I need you every day. Give us the faith like a child that we would reach up to Abba, our Heavenly Father, you, Lord. That we would always admit we need you and remind ourselves constantly every day. And that we would desire to be a blessing on the people around us and this community that is real life and all the people that we experience in our lives. That we would know and be prepared how to share the love that you have given us. And for anyone that is listening that may not know you yet, Lord, I just ask that you would show them all the love and joy that comes with knowing you. That they would see it through the people that know you. But especially just through you, God. For you know each and every hair on our head. And you say that we are worth more than many sparrows. We proclaim you as our one and only God. The one we rely on every day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for sharing, or thanks for letting me share, guys. Um, so here's chat again. <laughs> Great job, Taylor. Oh, man, it's so good. Uh, even dealing with the, the sound issue, you just like a champ, man. That was awesome. Thanks for the word tonight. We're going to go to the Zoom, and we hope you can join us. I mean, there's just so much to chew on. Uh, we have some good discussion questions um, for that, but I took a bunch of notes. Um, I just loved how he kind of laid it out, that text, and just a uh, really powerful time to really you know contemplate and think about how can we be more united as, as the body of Christ and and I loved uh, even just the challenge to be sharing our faith and to be thinking about, man, you have a story that God's done a work in your life. And, um, man, like share that with someone. And then just even end with the gospel there, how Peter sees it and then how Taylor laid it out clearly. And so there's a lot of good stuff there tonight. We hope you jump over and join the discussion. And, and then tomorrow night we really just want, if you have any desire just to, to bear some weight next year at Real Life, um, to be involved more, to have some ideas. Um, we'd love for you to jump on Zoom tomorrow night with us, too, and we're going to have a discussion. Uh, man, next week we'll be back in First Peter. We're going to do Chapter 4 next week, Read Ahead. We'll be here at 8 o'clock, um, and then the next week, Chapter 5, and and then one more week after that. And uh, it, let us know if you're a senior. We want to get uh, your names out there, and, and we're going to have a senior night the last night. And so let us know if you're graduating or moving on from our community. So Lord bless you. Jump over to Zoom, and we can't wait uh, to just uh, see you next week, too.